Welcome back to another edition of the Growth Equation Academy. Today, we are going to talk about harmonious passion. To ground y'all, we two issues ago spoke about the passion paradox, that there's no such thing as finding your passion. You can't just blindly follow it in the illusion of balance. Uh, We talked about obsessive passion, which is the dark side of passion and how to be aware of it and avoid it. And today we are going to talk about harmonious passion, which is the kind of motivation, drive, and energy that is very much tied up in human flourishing when everything is clicking, when you're on a path that feels right, you're getting the best out of yourself, you're performing well. It's what we all want. Uh, Thankfully, there's some science and history that can help us cultivate that in our own life. That's what we're going to talk about today. All right. So let's dive into how to cultivate, develop, and sustain this uh, harmonious passion, which is, as you said, uh, making sure we're doing it for the activity itself and not letting the external results, drivers, etc. overwhelm us. So the, the first item I want to talk about that helps us sustain this is what I like to call the 24-hour rule, what Brad likes to call the 48 hours because he likes another day here. But it's essentially, regardless of whether you win or lose or do well or perform poorly, you need to get back to the work, right? You have a finite period of time where you can either celebrate, wallow, reflect, and then you get back to it. You know, I was first... um Came across this actually in high school, thanks to my wonderful high school coach, cross-country coach, who essentially said, hey, after the race, you guys, if you want, you can go out, you can celebrate, all that stuff. But the next morning when you wake up, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go out and get your run in, because that's what we do, regardless of if it's a good or bad performance. And there are great examples, especially in the sporting world of athletes, such as former NBA star Ray Allen, who, regardless of how the game would would go, would come out and shoot some hoops, um, work on his free throws, work on his shot after a game and get back to it. And the reason for this is simple. Doing the work keeps you grounded. Doing the work keeps you in this harmonious side, and it doesn't allow the bad losses to linger or even the good performances to um, overwhelm things. The longer we let things linger, either good or bad, the more we're kind of resetting our set point and making it more difficult to get back to this harmonious passion. Yeah, and the reason that the 24, 48, 72-hour rule works so well is because nobody starts out on a path of craftsmanship or passion in the obsessive variety. Like the common path is this. We follow our interest. We find something that we enjoy. Since we enjoy it, we work really hard at it. We probably have some natural ability for that thing, which helps us enjoy it. And eventually we get good. And it's not until we get good that other people take note of what we're doing and that we receive external validation. So For the longest time, we've just been doing the work because we like the work itself. So it's really about getting back to that as swiftly as possible. 
It's not about trying to isolate yourself from the public's view or from your boss's view or from your community's view or even from your parents' view if you're a kid. It's about not letting that view take such a strong root in your brain or that's what's going to drive you. You always want that to be a byproduct of the thing itself. This, I think, is where so much of that, um, that advice where people say, don't let your hobby become a job comes from. Because often when our hobby becomes a job, we tend to latch on to all the external validation that comes with the job, and then it no longer becomes fun. But I think what we're trying to do is call bullshit on that and say, actually, hell yeah, turn your passion into a job because you might as well get paid for it and spend more time doing it. It's just on you to keep it from growing too many obsessive roots. Exactly. So uh, another way that kind of piggybacks on top of that, which is getting back to the work, is to focus on the process instead of the outcome. Now, this advice has kind of gone wide and, and, and varied for a while here, but it's, it's incredibly important because if you focus too much on the outcome, then you allow that external validation, that outcome-orientated um, approach, that external drive to kind of take over and push you towards obsessive passion. So how do you prevent that? You focus on the process. And, and that, again, is related to getting back to doing the work because the process is doing the work. It's understanding the small steps that get you to the goal but then using those small steps to create these daily victories. And there's good science behind this. In previous episodes, we talked about dopamine, the molecule of more, the desire molecule, which kind of helps push and prod and urge us along, right? Instead of going for the major big hit of dopamine with a hopefully future reward, it's best to get small, you know, incremental hits of dopamine just to keep us on the right path, but so we're not overwhelmed. So creating almost these like micro motivation moments or creating these small daily victories gives you this small hit so that you can sustain the performance over the long haul and keep the process um, in focus instead of getting, you know, diluted by the outcomes and external validation. Precisely. And you think of it also, it's like you want to have joy and excitement and desire in life because otherwise it gets pretty boring, but you don't want those joys and excitements and desires to be such big swings where it's like euphoria and then despair because back to um, the passion paradox episode to begin with, well, then you get into a cycle of addiction. And then once you're addicted to those good results, well, Burnout rises, anxiety rises, depression rises, and the chances of becoming Lance Armstrong, Elizabeth Holmes, Jeffrey Skilling rises. We know this because research shows that the more you're chasing those crazy swings, the more likely you are to cheat. For the same reason, uh, someone's experiencing addiction is more likely to steal to fund their drug habit because nothing matters other than the pursuit of that prize. Whereas what we're saying with harmonious passion, with the 24-hour, 48-hour rule, with focusing on the process... If you can make the prize doing the work itself, then you completely um, bulletproof yourself to getting stuck in the trap of chasing external validation. We cannot stress this enough. So another way to help 
keep the prize, the work itself is to create a community of practice that you do the work with. Because sometimes shit gets really hard. Sometimes things get boring. You hit a plateau. Sometimes things go great and you want to celebrate. Well, if you've got a community of people that have skin in the game, that are doing the work with you, that are on the path with you, those are the people that are going to keep you grounded when you have huge successes and are going to pull you up when you fail, but are going to do it in a way that's about the work, right? In our world of book writing, I care much more about what other authors who I know and respect think of my work than what any book review says. Why? Because the authors and other people, they're doing the work. I can learn from them. They're going through the same ups and downs as me. They want to stay harmonious. The reviewers, they live in a world of external validation. That's their whole job. I get it. They got to make money, and I'm happy to have my book reviewed. Please review my book. But I don't really care what you say because you're not doing the work. We are 100% independent at the Growth Equation Podcast. Why? Simple. Because we loathe so many of the ads that we always hear on podcasts and selling various hacks and other cockamamie stuff that rarely works. That's not what we're about here. In order to support this work, we offer a Patreon membership program. For the cost of a cup of coffee, you can support the show and get all kinds of neat stuff, such as exclusive podcasts, signed copies of our books, participation in a live book club, and a live quarterly mastermind group. To learn more and sign up, go to www.patreon.com slash thegrowthequation. Another key that helps us, you know, keep the work in perspective and, and the, as the main thing is having patience, right? Because a lot of times what happens when we become so outcome oriented, we want things now, right? The result becomes the thing. So we chase it um, as hard as we can. And we, we need that result. And that dopamine pushes us towards that, that urge to get that result. But having patience, spending time, I think it was uh, George Leonard who said, spending time on the plateau. Yeah, that was Leonard, one of the goats. Yep. It it is the key to be able to sustain long-term performance because like it or not, how we improve, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not just this linear path up. It's this time where we improve a little bit, bit of sometimes go backwards, spend a long time on a plateau. You know, this really came to fruition for me or really brought clarity to me when I looked at runners and how they, in the past, how they achieved their top performances. And almost every single one, the normal pattern was spending a long time on that plateau, whether it's multiple seasons or for several races in a row where they're just stuck. And if they gave up at that point, they would have just been stuck there. But then all of a sudden, they had this massive breakthrough. And you couldn't predict when it was going to occur. But it was regular in the sense that they'd be stuck around a time and and several times for several years. And then, you know, that breakthrough would come, not because of any change or anything like that. They just spent enough time uh, doing the work where eventually it coalesces and pays off. 
The same thing happens with other pursuits, intellectual pursuits. The key is, you know, having patience, keeping that 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 urgency, that drive, that now, 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 I want it now kind of at bay so that you can return to the actual thing that benefits you, which is putting in the work, practicing all that good stuff. So we've got 24, 48 hour rule, focusing on the process, not results, having a community of practice around you, being patient, coming back to the work, being willing to stay on the plateau. These are all wonderful things. What the question we're always asked is, well, what is the goal then? Because if you're saying don't focus on a goal, what am I supposed to do? And we talked about having these milestone markers along the way. And I think the most important shift that you can make is mastery. What do I mean by this? Mastery states that there is no end goal. The goal is the path and the path is the goal. That sounds very Zen and esoteric, but it's not. What it's saying is that ultimately we're all going to the same place, which is death. So that's the ultimate end goal. All you can do until you get there is try to stay on a path that pushes you in directions that you want to go in, leads to experiences that you want to have, contributes to the world if that's something that you feel is worthwhile. So what I like to do with my coaching clients who are very goal-driven people and they want to have something to shoot for, there's nothing wrong with that, we make practicing your core values the goal. So we discussed this in a prior episode too on motivation and meaning and purpose, that when you have your core values, the guiding tenets in your life, the things that make you tick, well, those don't know any end. If one of your core values, let's say, is creativity, whether or not your book of uh, portraits is displayed at the Modern Art Museum or not, it doesn't matter. If it is, great. Enjoy it. Get back to the work. Keep being creative. If it's not, bummer. Grieve the loss for 24 hours, then get back to the work. So what's nice about core values is that you can continuously practice them over and over and over again. With coaching clients, I talk about having an internal dashboard that you have full control over. So that internal dashboard is, hey, what are my core values? Am I showing up? Am I living in alignment with them? And generally, core values are very much promoting harmonious passion, the good kind of passion, because very few people set out, unless you're like a Machiavellian type, to cheat, to be evil, to get obsessed with winning. I've I've never met someone who said that their core value is to be famous. So if you go back to those core values, they help you realize that all the external stuff, they come as a byproduct, but it should never be the end goal. Because if I were to say, hey, Steve, you tell me, how do you think it would go for someone whose core value is to be famous? You tell me their life's going to be miserable. So what happens is we get swept off these paths when we stop being conscious of what actually matters to us and coming back to those things. And I'll give you an example in running because that's what I do. But it's also because it's very clear. If you've watched enough athletes compete, particularly runners, what happens is if they set a time goal, a goal that is, I'm going to run a, a five-minute mile, they're incredibly motivated as long as that goal is within reach. But what often happens is if they fall just a little bit behind and all of a sudden, oh, I'm not going to run that five-minute mile. Oh, I'm not going to run that three-hour marathon. What often happens is it goes from you know, still competing pretty good to they almost just give up. 
right? They crater. I'm not going to get my goal, so what's the point? But on the other hand, if your value is regardless of the goal, that I'm trying to push myself or get the most out of myself or see what I'm capable of doing, which is something that you know reflects why you do that sport, those people are still going to push to the end, even if they fall a little bit short. And, and that's what we're talking about and trying to get at here is that, yes, it's okay to have some goals. It's okay to like have that be part of it. But if it becomes the main thing, the only thing, the I'm either going to you know accomplish this or I'm a failure, then you're just setting yourself up uh, up for, you know, bad outcomes and a kind of miserable experience. So there you have it. A harmonious passion is when you love the thing itself, when the majority of your drive comes from the pursuit of an activity that you find inherently meaningful and joyful. Never has to be 100% of your motivation, the reason you do something. The goal is to make sure it's the majority of your motivation. Obsessive passion, as you know from last time, we're wired to feel it. So it's about recognizing when it's encroaching upon us and then viewing drive and motivation and passion not as something that you just follow, but as an act of practice. How do you practice it? The 24 to 48 to 72 hour rule, focusing on the process, not results, engaging in an intimate community who is walking the path with you, being patient, being willing to be on the plateau, coming back to the work itself in those moments, and then at the highest level, by knowing your core values and actively coming back to them, trying to live in alignment with them. When you do that, the goal shifts from something to achieve to a path that you stay on. We like to call this mastery. We find that the highest performing people that are also the most fulfilled, those that flourish the most, they are all on a path of mastery. The research bears this out as well. So that's the path to get on. That sums up the passion paradox. Next week, we are going to talk about self-awareness and the power to choose, both in acute situations when emotions are running high, and also over the long haul as you're prioritizing what to pursue, how to make decisions in alignment with those core values. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.